Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. It is. There's none like you, Lord. There's none like you, Father. There's no other name on, in heaven or on earth. Father, we worship you today. You are so good. You're so amazing in this place. We look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, the lifter of our heads. You're the, the, the strength that we need. You're the shelter that we run into. Father, we worship you today. We as a church, as a body, as a people have come to do one thing today. And that is just to lift you up in everything that we say and do. We say you are so, so awesome in this place. We worship you, Father. You're worthy to be praised. We set aside circumstances, situations that would try to cloud our vision of what is most important. And that is you in our lives. It's not about what's going on throughout the world today. It's about you, Father. It's about you, and we worship you today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen. Is anybody excited to be in God's house this morning? Praise God. It's so awesome to have you guys here today. Um, Before you guys are seated, go ahead and say hi to the person next to you. Tell them it's good to see you in the house of the Lord. Wave to them. Give them a fist. uh, Pound it. So awesome. The worship was amazing. Give these guys a hand. So awesome. Um, Reckless Love is one of my favorite songs. It just, uh, I just love the description, the, the picture that it paints. You know me, I'm always very uh, um, visual. So whenever I think of things, I'm always like imagining what it would be like. And, and this song is just a, a great picture of a parent doing everything they can to get to their son. Like, I think about my son, like, what I would do, like, no walls I wouldn't break down, no mountain I wouldn't climb to get to my son if he was in need of anything. And how awesome is that picture, that that's the picture that we have of God chasing us. See, we as Christians, we always thought it was us pursuing God. We always say, like, oh, I found God. God was never lost. We were lost. We always think like it's us that we came to God and we did all this stuff. And, and it's always been and always will be God pursuing you to the ends of the earth to have that relationship with you. And I love that the song, it's just a beautiful picture of that. You know, at 2020, we're in uh, November now. 2020 is almost done. You guys excited about that? <laughs> Everybody's just like counting the days to, to 2021. <laughs> just, just get this thing done with. Uh, But as a church, as a people, we should begin to start looking towards all that God has for us in 21. You know, looking towards the amazing things that, but not forgetting all the amazing things he's done for us through 2020. He's sustained you. He's healed your body. He's kept you healthy and whole. He's provided for you. He's kept you safe. All these things. It's so easy to get caught up in what's going on in the new circuit and and everything that's going on and lose sight of the fact that God is still in control. No matter where things go right now. You know, there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of uncertainties going on. But one thing for certain is that God is on the throne. That Jesus is still king. That you're still blood washed, anointed and appointed. There are some truths that we need to cling on to and hold on above everything else. 
that God is Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm excited today. You know, I was uh, speaking on Wednesday, and if you got to watch the broadcast, if you got to see it, uh, we're talking out of the book of Joshua and just how Joshua created these monuments for the children of Israel to look to, to have a remembrance of God's blessing over their lives. And it's a beautiful thing is sometimes in our lives we need those kinds of things in our lives. Things to look to and say, you know what, I, I understand that I've gone through some things, but Jesus was there for me. And God was faithful to what he had promised. You know, I always think of, of David and, and, and Goliath. I like the story of David and Goliath because it's this epic story. I like movies, so whenever I read scripture, I like to make a movie in my head and what's going on. And I, I love the, the story of David and Goliath because it's this epic story of this young man standing up to a giant. How many, nobody, uh, everybody likes an underdog. The, the Cinderella story. This young man was, was working on the hillsides and now he's a king. Like, what? That's the, the best story ever. If God can use him, he can use me for sure. But I love the fact that when David steps onto the battlefield, he has nothing with him but stones and a staff. And if you know anything about the culture at the time, he was a shepherd. And a shepherd always had a staff with him. And, and there's a, a, through scripture it says that he fought a bear and he fought a lion. And he prevailed against all of them. And as a shepherd, his staff, what he would do with his staff is that he would carve an image on his staff of things that he beat to defeat or to, to protect his sheep. So there wouldn't have been a carving of a lion. There would have been a carving of a bear, maybe a wolf. All these things that God was there with him for. And when he stepped out on the battlefield, he would have looked at his staff and had a remembrance of when God was with him through the lion, when God was with him through the bear, when God prevailed over every circumstance in his life. So when he stood up against the Goliath, it would have been no problem. Because he would have been looking at when God was faithful. He had a memorial to look to to, 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 to lift himself up to say, God is, was with me then and he'll be with me now. I'm telling you, we need those in our lives. We need to, I'm not saying go and, and collect big rocks and make them in your front yard. <laughs> if that's what you want to do, go for it. But we need to have things to look to. Maybe a journal, write it down. Say, on this day, God came through in my life. He, he promised me this and it was fulfilled in my life. God healed me. He delivered me. He set me free. These are monuments that we look to in our life. So let's turn to Joshua chapter 4. We'll start off at verse 1. We're going to read all the way through uh, verse 9. It's going to be a lot of reading, so just bear with me. But uh, what is going on here is that Moses has just passed away. And now Joshua is the leader of the children of Israel. He's been appointed by God to lead. This is his first time taking command over everything. And God instructs him to do some things to move into what God had promised the people of Israel. That God has spoken to Moses and said, I have a land that flows with milk and honey. And this is a promised land for my people. And we understand through Scripture that Moses was not allowed to take the people to the promised land. But now that Moses has passed away, and Moses was an amazing man of God, but now Joshua has stepped up and taken control or taken the, the mantle. And now he's about to take the children of Israel into the promised land. And we get to this part in verse, chapter 4, verse 1. 
It says, now it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan. I mean, back up, okay. So they're going to cross over the Jordan and begin to enter into the promised land, okay? So now he's, he's got all the children. This is about almost uh, three million deep. This isn't like just a little uh, congregation. This isn't like a little family gathering, a little barbecue. This is three million deep of people that are crossing over the Jordan into the promised land. Just so you guys understand, okay? This isn't like a little pond or a stream. This is a massive amount of people about to cross the Jordan. And it came to pass, as the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, the Lord had spoke to, Jordan, to, to Joshua and said, Take for yourself twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourself twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the, the priest's feet stood firm. You shall, you shall carry them over with you to where you lodge in the place, and lay them in the place where you lodge at night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom had, who he had appointed the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joseph said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord, the Lord your God, into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take a stone upon your shoulder, and according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among them when your children ask in time, in the time comes, say to them, what are, when they say to this, what are these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them and say, the ark of the Lord of the God. When we crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of the, and the, children of the Lord did so, just as Joshua had commanded, and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan and the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. Now, this is, a, this is an amazing story. My message today is uh, entitled, The Maintenance is on Me. The Maintenance is on Me. Um, maintenance means uh, to proceed, if, uh, to the process of maintaining and preserving something. Turn to your name and say, say the, the maintenance is on me today. Uh, it's easy for us to get distracted in life. You know, we have our day-to-day -day lives. We have bills that don't stop coming. We have uh, rent, mortgage. You got to feed the kids. You know, kids eat everything. I, I remember I was watching a movie, and this parent was so, or this video, and this parent was so upset. And she said, if you keep eating all the food, I'm going to stop buying it. And <laughs> you just eat everything up in the house. But there's things in life that come up. And there's, there's maintenance that needs to be done. You know, if you have a car... And if you just leave it in your driveway and cover it, and you come back after a few years, it's not going to run the same. It needs, it's going to need some maintenance. It's going to need some oil. It's going to need a few things to happen so it can run to the best of its ability. Amen? Maintenance is important. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 118. 
Psalms, I like the way the psalmist puts it this way. Psalms chapter 118, verse 24, and it says this. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I, we or we will rejoice and be glad. And do you guys remember that song? This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. You guys aren't singing. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Okay, so who made the day? The Lord. Who made the day? The Lord. See, God made the day, but I have to rejoice in it. So it was his to give, but it's mine to maintain. See, see, we missed this part. We think that just because God gave us something that he's going to maintain and he's going to make it come to pass and he's going to fulfill it without us having to do anything. See, the, the day... Is God's to give. But I have to maintain that day. With my actions. With my finances. With my emotions. With my time. And how am I maintaining my day? Am I wasting it away on Netflix? Am I wasting it away on, on, on social media? Am I wasting it away on Bad relationships that aren't going anywhere. How am I maintaining my day? See, it was God's to give, but I have a part to play in it as well. This is a, a concept that God has been trying to get us to understand for a long time. That God has been trying to get us to see that there's a part to play. See, I learned at a young age that I can't, be, I can't do God's part. And God will never do mine. I, I have to do something with my life to have the plan of God accomplished. It's just not going to just happen. We hear this all the time. Well, God's a sovereign God. If it's his will, it's going to happen. That sounds very nice. It sounds super spiritual even. But it's just not true. Yes, God is sovereign. He is a sovereign God. And in heaven, his sovereignty rules. But on earth. He's given you power and authority. And sometimes we're sitting around waiting for God to do something. He said, I already did it. <laughs> and I've given you the power and authority. I've told you to speak to mountains. I've told you to speak into dead situations. And you, you want me to do your job, and I'm not going to do it. I, I have a son. He's over there. And for the longest time, he would always be, right before I, he had to go to bed or take a shower, he would be like, oh, can you turn on the shower for me? Can you lay my clothes out? I, I got to do something else. I got to do something else. And finally, I was just like, no, you, you know how to do it. You know how to, you know how to turn the water on? Oh, I forgot. I forgot. Can you do it for me? And I would take him over and show him. And then the next time it would come around, oh, I forgot. Can you start it for me? I'm going to do something else. And what he wants to do is he wants to take as much time as possible so that way it bleeds into the time he's supposed to go to sleep. And he's collecting toys to try to take into the shower with him. At some point, you got to do it yourself. At some point, us as children of God need to stop just, oh, oh God's going to do it. God's going to make it happen when God has given you power and authority. He's made you a speaking spirit. We see this in the book of Genesis. Genesis 
chapter 1. This is my favorite book of the Bible. I think because this is where it all starts. Genesis chapter 1, verse 21, 26 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Did you see in verse 28 it says, Have dominion. Be fruitful and subdue it. See, God created this universe. And it's this amazing universe that is ever expanding with billions and billions of galaxies. And in this amazing universe, God put this planet exactly where it needed to be so that it could survive. And that it could produce life. And on that planet, God planted a garden. And this garden was perfect. It would have filled the whole earth and created a beautiful oasis, a beautiful uh, place to live. And in that garden, God placed a man. Now God spoke into this man. He breathed the breath of life. And he gave him a power and authority over everything that God had created. But then he gave him the maintain. He gave him the maintenance authority over it. He said, you subdue it. You have dominion over it. I've created it. It was mine to give, but it's yours to maintain. Now we know through reading the scriptures and that there a time passed and we don't know how long it took for the deception to happen. But Adam and Eve lived in the garden It was beautiful. It said that they walked in the cool of the day with God. And they had this personal, face-to-face relationship with God. And as it may happen, something, uh, this this, uh, demon, the devil, came into the garden for a deception. He deceived Eve. And through this deception, sin crept in. Now we know that Adam forfeited his authority... It gave up his eternal for the temporal. He forfeited his authority. And too many Christians today are forfeiting their authority. They've relied on somebody else. God is trying to get us today to understand that there's a maintenance that needs to happen in our lives. And we've forfeited that maintenance. We, We sit back and we wonder, why is this happening to me? Why are all these hardships? Why can't I just get this job? Or why can't I just get ahead? I feel like I take a step forward and then I get two steps back. Like I just can't get ahead. Like every time I start to save a little money, something happens in my life and I have to spend it all. Or something goes wrong. Or why didn't this relationship work? God, why isn't this happening? When's the last time you opened your mouth as a speaking spirit? Again, began to speak 
into dead situations? When's the last time you woke up and instead of looking to the news or to your, your Instagram feed or your Facebook page and, and opened the Bible and said, God, what do you have for me today? This is your day and I'm going to maintain it today. When was the last time you got up and said, ah, this is the day that the Lord has made and I will, no matter what goes on, rejoice in it. See, see joy, you know, Christmas is coming up, right? I mean, they just passed over Thanksgiving and went straight to, I mean, 2020. They're trying to get to, to Christmas as fast as possible because they know as soon as Christmas is here, it's over. So they just skipped over Thanksgiving and decorations for Christmas are already out. You know, we're, it's Christmas, it's coming up to Christmas season and we're going to start to break out some songs. And one of them is, uh, joy to the world, the Lord has come. You guys look at me like you never heard these songs before. I know I can't sing good, but you ain't got to look at me with that stank face on. Joy to the world. Do you guys know this song? You guys never heard it? Yeah, there you go. See, understand that joy isn't a season. Joy isn't a season. Joy isn't a sign you put on your door. door. Joy is a lifestyle. Joy is a lifestyle. And it's something to maintain in our lives. See, joy isn't the absence of suffering. Because you may say, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't know the hardships that I'm having right now. How can I be joyful in a time like this? How can I be joyful when I'm unemployed? How can I be joyful when I'm going through a bad relationship? How can I be enjoyed when I got sickness in my body? How can I have joy? See, joy isn't the absence of suffering. It's the realization that no matter what you're going through, God is with you. That no matter what pain you feel in your body, no matter what pain you feel in your heart, that you're not alone, that God is there with you in that pain. That's the joy that we have, knowing that no matter what is going on, my God has not left me, and he's not forsaken me. He's my healer, he's my deliverer, he's everything that I need. Scripture says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Our joy life is something that we need to maintain. See, it's his to give, but it's mine to maintain. About two years ago, I, I, I got Taj a, a phone for his birthday. And uh, when we gave him the phone, we, we laid out the rules and explained to him just how important these things are, how expensive these things are. And I said, there will never be a time when you have a passcode that I don't know it. The, the, my thumbprint will open that phone. You're not going to change the code so that I can't get it. See, it was mine to give. And you're going to maintain it, but I have access no matter at any time. And in that maintenance, it's up to you to, to make sure that it runs properly and to make sure that you don't lose it and to make sure that you don't break it. It was mine to give, but yours to maintain. And that's the message I'm trying to get us today is that God has given us things but it's up to us to maintain them. With our time, with our efforts, with our finances, and with, you ever heard someone say, oh, they stole my joy. This, this situation just stole my joy. How could something steal your joy? 
unless you just let it out there, didn't protect it. How, how can some things are, see, nobody can steal your joy because your joy should not be in somebody. I lost this job and now I'm not joyful. Why? Because your job was your joy? That wasn't the supply. That wasn't the source of your joy. That's not where my joy, oh, my, my, my child isn't, isn't living right. My, my parents aren't doing this and I'm, I'm losing my joy. Why? But that's not your source. It's mine to maintain. Despite what's going on around me, despite what it looks like on the outside, Despite all of that, my joy comes from the Lord, and it's mine to maintain. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? God gave us jurisdiction over our joy. I want to go back to Joshua. Go ahead and go back to Joshua with me. I, I, I just I love this story. It's, I mean, it seems so straightforward when you look at it. Like, here's the children of Israel. They're crossing over the Jordan, and they got some stones, and they put up a little monument, and they went on with their lives. But there's some really cool things here that happen. One, the Jordan River is a special Jordan, I mean a special river, but not because it's size and because it's just beautiful and everything. There's just some symbolic things with the Jordan River. The, the children of Israel, the people, the Jewish nation, see the Jordan, Jordan River as a place of new beginnings. Remember when Elijah received the mantle, and it says he crossed over the Jordan, and the Lord split the waters for him. It was a, a sign of new beginnings, that I'm going to be with you just as I was with your, the prophet. I'm going to be with you. So this new beginning begins to happen for Joshua and the children of Israel. And imagine with me, how, if you will, that God speaks to Joshua. Now, Joshua, this is his first time taking control and, and, and a leadership position over all the children of Israel without Moses there. Now, the children of Israel may have been sitting back saying, I don't know if he can do it. I don't know if he can lead us the way that Moses did. I, I don't know if he's got what it takes. He's, he's still young. I haven't seen him proven himself long enough. And I don't know if he could do it. And, and, and Joshua probably felt it. You ever look at somebody's face and you can tell that they're kind of judging or uncertain about it? And Joshua says, hey, I know God promised Moses and we've been wandering this desert for 40 years and I'm done. I'm done, I'm done just wandering the desert. It's time to move into what God has for us. And the children of Israel are like, yeah, but we've been wandering for 40 years. What's, how is it going to change now? How is it going to change? And he has to stand with confidence and say, I know, but God told us, guys. God told us, and, and, and there's a land over there that God has for us, and I'm tired of walking the desert. I've been walking with you, and I'm done. So he gets the children of Israel. And the Lord says, take the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represented God's essence, his very nature, his anointing, his power. He says, take the Ark of the Covenant and have the priests carry it the way that they're supposed to with the rods. And they're going to walk across the Jordan River. And as soon as the priest's feet begin to touch the water, the water will split. So then Joshua's got to stand up with boldness and say, hey, God spoke to me. Get the Ark of the Covenant. Get the priests together. We're, we're moving. 
We're, we're, we're out of this place. And the, 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 the priests, they get the Ark of the Covenant, and they begin to cross the, the Jordan River. And as soon as the priest's feet touch the water, the water begins to stop. It begins to be like almost like a wall, a, a hand comes up and stops the water. And the priests begin to walk out into the Jordan River onto dry land. And it says that the priests, they walked with the Ark of the Covenant, and they stopped right in the middle. You know, and it's easy to be happy in the beginning. And it's easy to be happy at the end. But the middle's hard. It's hard to be joyful. It's hard to be optimistic. It's hard to, to say, to, to be, hey, everything's going great when you're standing in the middle. And you're, you're the one holding it up. You ever feel like you're just holding things together for your family? And you feel like you've been stuck in the middle for a long time? And you've been waiting for some things to pass, and it's just not happening yet. And you're like, God, what do I do now? And God's saying, just stand. Because that's your part. Your part is the standing. That's yours to maintain. I'm the one holding back the waters. That's my part. But sometimes we're in the middle, and it's, it gets hard. And, you know, I love the, the scripture that says that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Has a hope and a direction. And it's beautiful. But sometimes I say, God, I know that you know the plan. But can you let me know too? Can you let me in on it? Because I know you got a plan and a direction and a hope and a future. And I got a hope. I got a hope. But if you can just give me a little information, that'd be great. Because I'm standing in the middle. And I just want to know, is it going to end anytime soon? But that's the maintenance part. That I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how long it's going to take. But Joshua got a word from the Lord for us as the priests of God to stand firm no matter what it looked like, no matter how long it took, no matter how heavy the burden was, I'm going to hold this. This is my assignment. This is my assignment. And they begin to stand in the midst. And it says that Joshua commanded 12 men out of each tribe, 12 men, 12 months, 12 stones, 12 disciples. Some say 12. 12 is a good number. 12 stones. And these weren't little pebbles. These were boulders. It says they had to pick them up onto their shoulders and carry them to Gilgad. That's where they rest. That's where they lodged in Gilgad. And they set up this monument, this memorial to God. Why? The scripture says that this was for the children of Israel so that when people came, the next generation came and said, what is this monument? It was your maintaining to say... This is what happened, that Joshua got a word from the Lord, and he commanded us to walk onto dry land across the Jordan, that God delivered into our hands the promised land. That was their testimony to maintain, to pass that knowledge on, that revelation of who God is, that blessing to the next generation. He says, this is a memorial so that when the children ask, 
You remember, I, I, like I said, I like to picture things. And I can almost imagine now the children have crossed the Jordan. And they've moved into the promised land through a great and powerful victory. And they had many battles throughout their lives. It wasn't like they just got over and everything was hunky-dory and it was fine. They had battles. They had fights. And I believe that every now and then, the elders would take the children back to Gilgad. And they would say, see these rocks? This is what happened. Our God was faithful. He promised us a land that flowed with milk and honey. He said that he would bless us. He would make us a great nation. And he did just that. And this is a memorial to that. This is what happened. We took these stones from the very center of the Jordan River when God held back the waters on our behalf. This is what happened. And then they would leave and years would pass. Battles had happened. And, and maybe they would come back and, and the children would say, what is this memorial? Or what is these rocks? And they would say, oh, this is, you know, God, he, he did some stuff for us. He, he stopped the water and, and we walked on, I mean, God stopped the water, but we had to walk. We had to do everything. You know, we, we had to walk across the river. You know, it wasn't like God just moved us over. We, we had a part to play in it. It was difficult. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't easy. You know, we had to carry all of our stuff over, all of our tents. We had to break it down. I mean, God held the water, but we walked across, and then we had to do all this stuff. So that's what happened there. And then years would go by, and battles would happen. Victories were, would happen. And then maybe they would go back to the rocks, and the children would say, what happened? What are these rocks for? They said, God did some stuff for us, and it was amazing. It was really cool. And then years would pass, and nobody talked about the rocks anymore. How do I know this happened? Because Joshua talks about it in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. This is one of the saddest verses. says, when all of that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the works which he had done for Israel. The maintenance stopped. They stopped maintaining what God had did for them. They stopped telling the testimony of how God good, how God good was. They stopped explaining to the next generation just how amazing your God is. It says, after that generation had gone to their fathers, the next generation knew not the Lord, nor the, the miracles that he had performed. They stopped speaking of his goodness. The, the children of Israel had all but forgotten who their God was. And how amazing he was. They stopped their testimony. <laughs> Some of us can say, you know, I have a testimony, but it's nothing to, to carry a boulder about. 
I got a testimony, but it's not that big. It's not, I don't got that big testimony. I don't got that, I, I, you know, I was a drug addict for X amount of years, and then God uh, came into my life and, and stopped me, and I didn't go through any, I don't have those testimonies. I don't have that, that testimony where I was in gangs, and, and I was about to die, and, and the bullets went the other way. I don't have those testimonies. I got little rock testimonies. Like, I was hungry, and someone blessed me with a donut, and that's my testimony. You say, I don't have those big testimonies. I don't got much to say. I remember a time when I was young, we would have Testimony Sunday. Some of you who are old enough to remember, you remember testimonies. But you don't know the testimony. You don't know what I've been through. And people would talk, come up and they would, they would talk about what they had been through. And then it always came, but God. But God. Let me tell you my rock. Let me show you my rock that I got. This is, this is my memorial. This is what I look to when things get hard. Like, God, you were there with me through the lion. You were there with me through the bear. You'll surely be with me through this giant. You will surely deliver him into my hands. This is the testimony. The maintenance that we have in God. Is it God, but this is just a little pebble. David knows a, a thing or two about little pebbles. See, you can still whip the devil with a pebble. The, the same way that David beat Goliath with a pebble. That's all you need. The maintenance is on me. It's not up to anybody else but me. You have to maintain your miracle. That's a statement we don't hear. We always hear about you need to believe for your miracle. You, you, you need to declare your miracle. But we don't hear enough. You need to maintain your miracle. You need to always keep it before your face. God performed a miracle and you let it go. You, you stopped talking about the testimony. You stopped going back to the source. And you got, see, see what happened was I think that the children of Israel, they went through so many battles. And just because they got their promise on doesn't mean everything was done. And they went through battle after battle. And I think what happened was the battles became bigger than the blessings. And I think that happens in our lives sometimes. Where we just feel like we're always bombarded with something. As soon as I'm coming out of a, a battle, another one's coming. As soon as I'm coming out of a hardship, another one is coming. And we begin to focus on the battles and forget about the blessings of God. So today, my encouragement to you is never stop telling your testimony, no matter how big or small, that God pulled me out of darkness into the marvelous. I don't care what it, was, what it looks like, how bad your story was. We all have the story that God stepped in and intervened on my life. Because without him, I was heading to hell. I, I was heading to hell. I was doomed for eternal suffering. But God saw fit to send his son to die on the cross for me. He blessed me. He lifted me up. He delivered me. He healed my body, my mind, my spirit, and my soul. My God is amazing. And this is my testimony to maintain. Amen. Praise God. I hope you guys got something out of this today.
Um, I really want you to understand that it's... If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.